All right, well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. Today we're going to be doing, for the first time ever, uh, A Voice in the Distance Testimonials. And I've always been wanting to do this for some time. And what's really neat is i got a, a dear friend and brother with me. And uh, this dear friend and brother, some years ago, probably I'd say about 10 years ago or more, I don't know, somewhere around there, um, moved to the state of Arizona where I'm at. And together we uh, were involved in ministry together. Well, we even started a business together for about a year. And then uh, he had to move back to the area of Southern Oregon where he was from. And through that, we have built testimonies. We have built stories together. But everybody that I've engaged with over the years has a testimony of their own. And if there's something I've learned about the word testimony is there, there is no such thing as a testimony until you have passed a test. And everyone's got one. And, and everyone's going to continue to have one as long as we're on this earth here. But it's really nice to, again, to be able to, uh, to have people with you that have had stories uh, that have related to God working in their lives and not just in the past but continuing to. And so today I have this dear friend and brother who had traveled from Oregon to spend a few days with me, and today we're doing the first ever Voice in the Distance testimonies. How's it going today, man? Good, Rick. Really good. Good, man. Good to have you as always. And I'm glad to, glad you could do this with me here. And I figured that, you know, everybody's got a wonderful story. Everybody's got a very neat story. There's no such thing. I mean, you'd have to agree. There's no such thing as a boring testimony, is there? No boring testimony, no wrong story. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, God's it, working in each of our lives differently. We've, we make different choices along the journey of life that, you know, some are bad. Some are better than others. Some are great choices. They take us, gosh, different directions, man. And once you make a choice, you can't get it back, you know? Yeah, very true. It's kind of like time, right? Yep, and it all plays into to who we are, who we become, you know? And, uh, yeah, so you're right. Just... So in your case, we're, we're the same age of, of all things. You know, I have a very wide variety of friends of different ages, and but Mike and I are the same age. Uh, both of us grew up in Southern California. He grew up in the San Diego area. I grew up in the Los Angeles area. Um, but, you know, at some point he moved to Oregon. At some point I moved to Arizona. We both moved to Arizona, and here we are. But uh, what is your story? When did you come to the Lord? I, I, I kind of remember, but you, you, you know better than I do. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Well. How far back do you want me to start? What's well, let me see. We're, I'll, 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 I'll expose our age. We're about 43 years old right now as we speak in 2019. So, Dang it, already. Yeah, already. And I didn't want to expose that. But uh, um, but no, what is it? Uh, was it? You were a teenager, weren't you? 17, if I remember? 17 or 18. Okay. Yeah, I guess a good tidbit of information from my story before we get there is... Because um, my, my story began... Shoot, so my mom, she was, she was about 18, 17, 18 when she got pregnant with me. And she grew up in the quote-unquote, quote-unquote, you know, Christian home, Baptist family, Baptist parents. And, uh, but she, unfortunately, she had zero support from her family to keep the baby, which was me. Mm-hmm. And my dad was also a high schooler, mm-hmm. not much direction, you know, came from a, came from a really dysfunctional family, but... So the story goes, as my mom tells me, which is crazy, she was on her way to have an abortion with me. Mm. And she changed her mind at the last minute. And she even like pulled up and saw the abortion clinic and decided, nope, can't do it. I can't go through with it. 
And so my life began there, right? I was saved miraculously. And uh, the neat story about my mom is a week later, she got saved, gave her life to Jesus listening to a, a preacher on the radio. Wow. So that's where like that's where my story begins. Okay, right? cool. No, I never do that. <laughs> yeah. Amazing story. And uh and then so from there, you know, this 18-year-old kid with now a baby and you know, a drug addict dad who's a teenager as well, they get married. And my mom begins this incredible walk with the Lord just trusting him and um you know, I grew up in, I guess in a house that had a mom that believed in Jesus and a dad who believed in drugs and women <laughs> <laughs> and fishing and and just you know my dad was on a search for just trying to find something that fulfilled the void. Okay. You know, fulfill just gave him peace and happiness because he came from a life of total destruction. You know. So. Well, that's it's, I've always found it funny because uh, there's something very uh, parallel to our lives. Mine and yours is, is if you remember. My mom and your dad were, they sounded very much alike. Well, here's the funny thing, too. Your dad was a musician. Yeah. My mom was a musician. But you're, and I'll never forget this. Your dad was born a day before my mom. Oh, that's right. My, our, my mom was born a day after your dad, same birth year as well. So, like, yeah. they would have almost had identical birthdays. <laughs> And I remember, I remember just tripping out about that. I was like, "Man, I was just like your mom and my dad sounded almost very much alike. They're pretty much identical twins, man. right? Well, one's female, one's male. My mom had some abortions too before I was born, apparently, yeah. and yeah. I was the I was the one she kept, and uh, <laughs> you know, too. So yeah, very amazing. similar. Amazing. So, so that was that's that was the story of your parents. So, you yeah. yourself, what uh, what brought you to the Lord and when? Oh yeah, so so I basically grew up in a half Christian home, in church. My mom always found a way to have me in a in a Christian school too, Christian private school, all through elementary school, junior high, high school, and uh, I I really didn't mind it. You know, it wasn't until I got to high school I was like, man, I, I want to get out, get into public school as an athlete. I want to get noticed. Hopefully get a scholarship out of where I was at in the who knows where. Right. And uh, I was a pretty good kid. I never got into a ton of trouble. I liked surfing and skating and just doing my thing and had some good friends, had some not so good friends. Um, but I had a good enough head on my shoulders to know what was right, what was wrong, what I should be doing, shouldn't be doing. And uh, I kind of had this like fear of disappointing my mom because mm. I know how much she did for me and how much she gave up to to provide for me so that was always in the back of my mind yeah and uh, but this one this one day my first year first week of my senior year of high school one of my buddies was like hey dude do you want to go to church and i was like Man, I, haven't, I haven't been to church in a long time and he's like well, why don't you come my dad's preaching tonight i was like yeah yeah i don't got nothing better to do tonight i'll, I'll go to church <laughs> and so he his name was frank he took me to church and it was in a big gymnasium. There was like probably like two thousand people at this church. It was wow. huge. You know, I felt lost in there. <laughs> but I was actually able to kind of hide. You know, I was like, ah, no one's gonna notice me. <laughs> um, and uh, I was a total late '80s, early '90s so cowboy. I had a hair down in my waist. Mm-hmm. You know, was into heavy metal and, and surfing and skating and all that stuff. And so, anyways, sitting in the very back row of this huge church. It was almost like the first time I ever heard heard the true gospel message where it actually like I I took in every word of the message and I came to the realiza- realization that 
dang it, I can't get into heaven on my mom's coattails of her faith, which I'd been riding the whole time. Mm. And I realized I need my own sins forgiven. And I need my own Savior. I need Jesus as my Savior. An actual real relationship. That's what I heard that night. And uh, I was sitting there, and you know, like, I don't know. If you've experienced it, you know when the Holy Spirit, the Lord is moving, speaking to you, calling you, you know, making you realize just the reality of who He is and that He is real and He paid the price for your sin. Mm -hmm. And I turned to Frank and I go, hey, Frank, you got to walk up front with me. I need to receive Jesus. And he was like, wait, wait, you're not a Christian? You don't know Jesus? I'm like, no, I've never made a decision in my life. (laughs) He's like, but you go to Christian school? And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but... Probably all the kids that go to Christian school and are not Christians. Anyways, man. So kind of like churchgoers. <laughs> we stood up and we walked. Man, it was probably like, it felt like a mile from the back road of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave my life to Jesus that night, man. Wow, it was, man. It was, and it was the real deal. Like, I, I knew beyond a shadow of doubt, like, I was being real with myself and I was being honest with the Lord and I confessed my sins and, and, uh, and, uh, Knew I was forgiven in that moment. Yeah. And then I was saved. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a surreal experience, but it was... Yeah, I think I think I was 17. That was before I turned 18. Now, now did, uh, did the majority of your years, if I remember correctly, was it uh, spent in Horizon Church with Mike McIntosh? Well, that's the church I got saved in. Was it also? Okay, that's so what I, I thought. To, my mom had... Somehow they gave me a scholarship because I was an athlete and a good student. And because uh, my mom was in no financial ability to pay for me to go to a private school but mm-hmm. I was going to Horizon High School yeah and Frank's dad uh, was one of the pastors on staff there at the time so yeah it was just you know perfect timing the Lord orchestrated the events in my life to present me with a choice and I made I made that choice mm. yeah that's that's amazing you know that's amazing. And again, like I said, it's just uh, everybody's story is different. Not everybody, yeah. not everybody's story has to be exciting because you know they didn't murder somebody or they didn't you know, <laughs> right? You know, you hear the typical testimonies. Oh, I robbed banks and murdered and did this, that, and the other yeah. thing. And I'm like, you know, it's amazing because you know those st- those things don't really impress God. You know, God is more God's more com- concerned about. Where we're at with him now and where we're going with him versus where we've been, because yeah. you know you know as well as anybody you can't drive efficiently looking in a rearview mirror, right. and, um, and and so but again God uses our testimonies, but he he uses our past, and and again I know some I'm surrounded by a lot of uh, amazing people with amazing pasts that God did the work in, and and the whole reason for this for the testimonies is to see what to show people what God has done, the miraculous works that not only did He do but continues to. To do that's right. and, um, and 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 so that's why we're doing what we're doing here is, is to is to show people that hey God w- this is what God did and this is what He's continuing to do and um, and God's alive and well and continuing to work and uh, yeah that's that's for dang sure you know and, and, and you know your your mom you both your mom and dad you know your dad received the Lord later didn't he he did man and you know that because. Yeah, can I tell that story real Please, quick? Please, uh, take your time on it. we got some time here. So, so you know, it was, it was, gosh, I think it was nine years ago. I get a, I'm get living down in Arizona with you at the time. I'm not with you, but in Arizona. <laughs> Might as well have been. We worked together. Same neighborhood, whatever. But, <laughs> but um, get a phone call from my granddad, and all he tells me is, hey, your dad's dying of cancer. He's in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, I think he's in Myrtle Beach. I'm like, all right, wow. And so the history is, I, I think the last time I had seen my dad was like 10 or 15 years before that. So my dad's story was, when I was a teenager, he got busted for some stuff and ended up in and out of prison. And, and then he ended up um, just making some really poor choices out of prison, running from the law, ended up in the East Coast. and Oh, wow. You know, and uh, I lost track of him. And uh, for a lot of years, man, I... I harbored some hate towards him just because he basically chose the life of drugs and women over me and my mom and my sisters. Yeah. And uh, I I had to become dad at a young age for my sisters. And so I harbored a lot of hate for him over the years. But it was, um, you know, in that moment when my granddad let me know where he was and what was happening to him, I had to make a choice. What do I do? Do I go see him? Do I go find him? Mm -hmm. You know, and I knew if I didn't, I would have a lot of regret because there would never would have been any closure for me. And so uh, you went with me. We, yep. bought, we bought some plane tickets and we flew to South Carolina and found him in the found him in the hospital <laughs> in Myrtle at, Beach. You know, <laughs> the last person he thought he'd ever see. And uh, and then they transferred him down to Charleston. So we drove down to Charleston and and because of he had pancreatic cancer and it spread through his body and because of all the his liver failure, yeah, he in and out coherently and yes, not making much sense with the speech and then sometimes he would make sense and I experienced that because there was a point where uh, I was sitting in the room with him and and he, he he was he was out of it at the time and you had gotten up to uh, it, it was amazing you had gotten up to go out of the room for a second. And he was laying there right next to me, and all of a sudden he snaps out of it. Yeah. And he starts like talking to me, and he's <laughs> and he's telling me about things about the Lord. Mm. And I was just like, uh, at that moment, I became very engaged. But it was weird because you you left the room, and all of a sudden he finally not that you, because you left the room, but he just did. He just kind of yeah, yeah. he he was heavily medicated. Oh boy. And uh, and I just remember him kind of snapping out of it because he was in and out of sleep, and then all of a sudden he started telling me about the Lord and certain things, yeah. and I was just kind of like, wow, where did that come from? That just kind of yeah. happened out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, and so, but it's amazing because you know. Uh, you know, hearing all of the, I guess, horror stories that, you know, I've heard about him that you told me over the years, I got to see a different side of him there. Yeah. You know, I guess the real side of him, because I've learned that if you really want to learn from someone, you know, you, you, speak to someone who knows they're in their last days. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And, and you will hear some of the most profound truth and, and uh, some of the most heartfelt stuff that you'll ever hear from somebody, especially when they know their time is near. Yeah, yeah, the real life stuff. Man, yeah. And gosh, we were there about a week, and it was the last evening that we were there. And um, I remember you and I had went and had some dinner, and then we came back to the hospital. And I went in his room and just started talking to him, and and it was amazing because he was completely coherent. This is It felt like the last opportunity for... A real conversation with him, and, and he was fully coherent. And um, I got to tell him that I loved him and I forgave yeah. him of everything. Yeah. You know, ask him for forgiveness for the hate that I had for him for so long. And uh, and he received it, and he asked me for forgiveness. And in this moment's notice, when when forgiveness was offered and forgiveness was received, we were completely reconciled as a father and son. Mm. And it's one of the most one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced that it could be just that quick. And you know, it's the same way with us when we confess our sins 
and receive Jesus. It's like, and, and when we just ask for forgiveness, we know we're in right relationship with Him. But and so for I think it was probably like an hour, you know, um, we continued talking, and I got to where you know, like, Dad, I need to know that that you're right with Jesus and. I was like, you know the gospel message. I go, what are you going to do? Will you receive Jesus and receive forgiveness and know that you know when you pass here, whether it's tonight, tomorrow, the next day, it'll be an eternity, and and we'll see each other again, and you'll meet your grandkids one day. And, and he accepted it and received it, and so mm. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because I was there that he, <laughs> he prayed to receive Jesus on That's his right. deathbed. That's right. And then for the rest of the time, man, we just reminisced about. Stories when I was a kid, like the good memories that yeah. we had, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got to read him these letters that my sisters had written him, and they hadn't seen him since they were one and three. Oh man! You know, my littlest sister has no had no recollection of him. My three year old sister had vague memories, but they wrote these letters that I got to read to him, and they were the most grace filled, loving, forgiving letters that I I couldn't even believe it what they wrote, and I know that just gave him this this peaceful closure knowing that his daughters loved him no matter what yeah and that he would see them again one day too and and man you know i exited that room that night just bawling yeah yeah but i had this amazing closure and i know he did too that's right uh, that we were we were good and that i'd see him again and uh yeah pretty pretty powerful yeah it was And and it was real and it was raw and it was that trip, I remember it clearly. I mean, we had to uh, we flew into Charleston, South Carolina, yeah, and that was a two hour drive from Charleston to Myrtle Beach. And I remember, if you remember correctly, too, on the way there, we encountered what looked like uh, two accidents in front of us. Do you remember that? I do, man. Some gnarly ones. <laughs> um, and I was like thinking to myself, I was like, oh Lord, what's going on here? Because it, it, I remember the story. See, see, your dad was married, remarried to a woman that was pretty rough around the edges. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's putting it kindly. Yeah, yeah. And, and but I remember that, like, because I, I remembered us kind of preparing for what we might be in for because. Uh, uh, she was pretty. Uh, no idea. Yeah. yeah, she was pretty. Like you said, rough, difficult. difficult, very difficult, very, very hard woman, if you will. Yeah. So uh, we knew we were in for an interesting uh, possibility, possibility of a of a rough time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we flew to Charleston, and we're and we're making the drive uh, down this down these country roads, and one of them was involved a school bus, yeah, if I remember right, correctly. And then shortly after we passed that one, another one just happened right in front of us, just recently, to where the the people yeah. had just gotten out of the cars. It was still smoking, right? And we just barely missed those. Yeah, we barely missed those accidents. And I'm like, oh man, this is something. Um, you know, so we got to Myrtle Beach and saw your dad, but then they shipped him back over to Charleston. What were we, for a day? If I remember, one or two days. Yeah, I think it was it was the next day. Like they, we got there, we found him, and it was that evening when they told us they were shipping him to Charleston, and he was down there for the rest of the time we were in South. Carolina. That's right. So we ended up driving back to Charleston uh, to to see him over at that hospital there, and and uh, you know what was amazing too was his wife. Uh, she turned out to be okay while we were there too. I mean, we yeah. didn't really have any. No, the doctors had more problems with her than we did. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. But the doctor handling him was really a class act, and uh, she was yeah, that almost younger gal. Mm-hmm. She was solid. Yeah, and uh, so no, I mean that that stood out big time, and uh, you know, and so 
he lasted a little while, and and uh, he ended up passing. But it was probably what? How many? Oh, it was probably a couple weeks. Couple weeks couple later. Weeks later. Yeah. A week or two later. I, I don't remember. I don't exactly remember either. Yeah. But you know, a, a, again, uh, these stories too, these testimonies are also here to encourage. They're here to to show that. That God can make things right with people, you know. And, and, and my gosh, when it comes to your mom or your dad, um, those are things you really want to make sure that you you yeah. get taken care of, you know. And I remember you telling me about some of the good times as well. Oh uh, yeah, that's what you hold on to. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and, and God's done an amazing work in your life because you have three you have three children yourself, and and. Um, you know, and, and you're raising them, and and uh, you know, and you're there for them, and and uh, you know, parents, you know, they, they parents make mistakes. They do good and they bad. Some do good and bad, and uh, mm-hmm. some do worse than others. But you know, but again, God fixes things. God is the miracle worker, and uh, you know, your mom's been walking with the Lord ever since. Praise God for that. You know, and yeah, and uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's just been amazing. But you know, throughout the years, you know, you, you even got to. Uh, um, you know, when we get saved, the, the Lord uh, continues to work in us, mm-hmm. and and you yourself too. You got to you got to attend Bible college in Southern California, and you also went to what, Austria for a year, was it? That's right. Yeah. What was that like? Peaceful. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was adventurous, man. It was. Yeah, it was like one of those special times in life where you you don't really have responsibility. Your your job is to is to study and learn and then being in a foreign country in the Alps in Austria you know you get to live an adventurous life exploring mm-hmm. and learning I think some of the best education we can possibly get is travel if we're able to do it oh absolutely because it gives you it gives you great perspective and especially meeting believers from different countries because they got to travel throughout Russia and Serbia and Hungary and Croatia and Germany and then I lived in Italy for a few years. Oh, that's right. So you get this amazing perspective from different cultures, different walks of life, just different way other people have their world view. And uh, yeah, it was a real neat time. I was fortunate to do it when I was a young guy. I didn't have to mm. wait till I retired and do it as an old guy. <laughs> and some do, and it's okay. But yeah, yeah. But it, it does work out better that way. Got a way. little more energy and a little more of a risk taker the younger you are. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that would have been a nice experience, I tell you. But uh um, but yeah, no, that was really neat that that you know that God had that in the works for you. Got to uh, send you to a place like that where this this Bible college was actually inside of a one time castle, was it not? Yeah, it was like a modern day. It was built in the early 1900s, and it was, but it was a castle nonetheless, overlooking this amazing lake called Lake Milstadt. And uh, yeah, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been in a more picturesque, serene place. You know, yeah, great teaching. Um, made some great friends, lifelong friends, and uh, you know. But at some point, you know, you got to enter back into because that was like a bubble. It was yeah. a cool bubble to be in, but mm-hmm. you enter back into the real world. I I would say, and and to keep growing and uh, and to keep sharing Jesus with people. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Amen to that. To have a good solid foundation for your life. Understanding of who Jesus is, and I think ultimately, gosh, yeah, we're in our forties now. 
think ultimately you just come to this point where you realize, man, that God just wants your heart. Mm-hmm. And He's going to allow stuff to happen in your life and put people in your path to always get you back to where, if you're getting off track, to where He just he wants your heart again. Yeah. And um, I think sometimes we can really complicate a simple walk with Jesus. Oh, goodness. I think we do daily. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, it, and you're right. Daily, it's, man, gosh, it's just a simple choice. I love the verse in First John where he says, if we're... If we're uh, How's it go? First John one nine, you know that one. Yeah, I we do. Confess our sins. He is faithful. Faithful to, to forgive us. To forgive us our sins. Yes. And I guess if you study it in the original language, it means to continually forgive us, not just a one time. Because yeah, we need it. Like we're not, we're never going to be perfect. We're always going to battle this body of flesh. But yeah. To just wake up every day and say, man, Lord, I am a sinner and I need your grace and. Continue to keep having mercy on me. Oh man, you're not kidding. And it's it's a good verse too because I look at that book of First John, and I think I've taught that book on two different occasions in its entirety. And, and that well, every book in the Bible, but that one especially is an, is one that you really continue to grow from. Mm. Um, such such uh, again profound wisdom. And again, being at the end of John's days when he wrote that, again, like like I said before, you really yeah. want to see or hear the heart of somebody. Right. Talk to him at the end of their days, and that's where John was at. He was no longer the young man, the son of thunder, what Jesus called him when he was a young guy. He right. was now John the Beloved in his older age. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, and it's how true that is. But you know, again, you've traveled around abroad, you know, and, and there's one thing I like to ask people, you know. Um, it's funny how Christianity um, is in certain places. You know, it's it's it, it was there was one standard. There's one word. There's one word of God. There's a standard. You know, but what have you seen? I mean, you know, growing up in Southern California, living in Arizona, living in Oregon, and, and being in Europe. What have you seen in the diversities of Christianity? Hmm. If you if you can uh, divide and and explain. That's a good question. Most of the places I've been were Europe, and being like in Serbia and some of those countries where they were formerly, you know, Russia where they were formerly communist, as opposed, and this is like generalizing, right? So it seemed like in in those formerly communistic countries, the believers that we encountered, it was. It felt different. It felt like they had a different, more tangible, more deeper relationship with Jesus because they did come from where they suffered persecution. Sure. You know, I've lived in America most of my life where never encountered persecution. Persecution was, you know, getting called a name because you're a Christian or or whatever. Stereotype. And that's not, that's not, you know, and, and the day we live today, man, there's more... Christians being persecuted around the world than there ever has been in any sure. time of history, which is crazy. But it, to me, I was astonished and amazed because I realized there's another level of that you can go in a relationship with Jesus. And I remember one one guy in Russia, his name was Paul. He was a pastor in St. Petersburg. And he said, we all have the same opportunity to have the deepest relationship with Jesus that we choose to have. And it just simply comes down to time. How much time do you want to spend getting to know him? How much mm. time do you spend talking with him? Yeah. How much time do you spend in his word? How much time do you spend worshiping him? 
He's all because we can look at the, all these amazing men and women of faith in the Bible, and you think, "Wow, man, those guys knew Jesus." And he's like, "We're no different." But if you spend five minutes a week talking with them, as opposed to three to four hours a week talking with them, who's going to know them better? Right, right. And it just comes down to how much do you want to know the one true and living God of the universe? <laughs> yeah, very good a point. Very profound question to be asked. Yeah, yeah. It is funny how that seems to where like some of the countries that are the most persecuted seem to be the most closest at times. And the most growing. And the present. most growing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at like, I heard like in Nepal, in the country of Nepal many years ago that uh, Christians or anybody who was starting churches or practicing Christianity were, were getting 10 years in prison. Yeah. You know, and then after that it grew immensely because of that. Now, you yeah. would think it would do the opposite but you're right here in the united states you know so far so good but who knows what'll come um now you your experiences here in the states i mean you've lived in what three different states technically california arizona and, yeah. and, and oregon yeah, you know did, did, do you see differences between the three places in the form of christianity I mean, California, we could both attest to that because of its diversity. But what would you say from what you've noticed in, in, in a geographical standpoint? Mm, I, I'd say not, not, a tremendous, not a tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. I guess the only difference would be, you know, big city mentality versus small city mentality. But within the churches, it's... Well, you know, here in the States, as you know, we have what they call the Bible Belt. Oh, yeah. Right? right, right. You know, we have what they call the Bible Belt, which is typically around the southern states. You know, and then you have in the in the northeast, you have a, your very traditional, uh, you know, uh, Protestant Catholic churches and stuff oh, like yeah, that, which are very right. traditional. Right. Uh, and then you have in the Midwest, it's very, there's some traditionalism there as well. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a, our country is so diverse. Yeah, I guess in the western states, man, you'd see more of like a real... Uh, how do you describe it? I wouldn't say like a loose mentality, a free mentality, mm-hmm. but not such a rigid, uh, a rigid legalistic. <laughs> yeah, denominational style legalism. Okay, you know where you know you don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls. Girls do, do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and more of like a more of an understanding of, of the grace we've been given almost but almost like pushing it to to the extreme yes know? yes I'm gonna do what I want and God's gonna forgive me <laughs> and I really I don't know it really paints a picture of you really see how like when Jesus talks about talking to the churches and in Revelation when he talks about lukewarmness and oh yeah one of the biggest dangers in the American church is just being lukewarm because of all the comfortabilities we have. Well, it's interesting that you say that because on two different occasions I have taught uh, taught the seven churches in Revelation on two different occasions. In-depth uh, teaching I did on those seven churches, who they were, where they came from, what their background was. And it's interesting that, that geographically it does make a difference. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's amazing that you, you take, you take uh, Sardis, which was considered the dead church, and Philadelphia, which was the church that was really in God's favor, were only 30 miles apart from each other. Yeah. And yet, for, even from a 30-mile-apart standpoint, they were very different from one another. Yeah. You know, but here we're talking about hundreds of miles apart from one another in these yeah. different states. And, and it's funny because you have what, well, what we might call cultural Christianity. 
sure. you know, versus um, scriptural, spiritual Christianity, which is what God, you know, intended, uh, you know, when, when it was formed. But nowadays we have a lot of what we'd consider cultural Christianity. And it, and it seems to be based on where you live at times and in mm-hmm. the atmosphere of... Well, of the culture, of the or of the atmosphere. Yeah. And I know that you know Oregon is very different from uh, Arizona, um, and kind of very different, but also very similar to California, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think I think I found too, like you know, being lukewarm just flat out sucks. Well, yeah. In, in whatever you do, whether sure. It's in your job, you do it halfway, or mm-hmm. it's in your parenting, you do it halfway, in your marriage, halfway. Yeah. Being, being lukewarm is not getting anywhere. And I've I've found that when I'm all in, when I'm all in on my marriage, when I'm all in on my parenting, when I'm all in in my relationship with Jesus, when I'm all in being the best employee I can be, I find great joy when I'm all in. Yeah. When I'm halfway in, I have a lot of regret. Mm, That's a good point. And... I mean, Jesus wants us to be all in. Sure. Him, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, he flat out said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of that's my mouth. Right, that's right. But that, and I think that's also where the real joy in a relationship with him lies. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that, man. I mean, I tell you, it's just... Um, it is. It's it's really something to see. And, uh, you know, we're living in these days where we really need to not, you know, not fall away, but to stay the course and, and to stay the course upward. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, that is so important because we're seeing so many changes in things. We're seeing so many new things come about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny. It's something I noticed when I think of the word culture. Well, the first few words of the word cult, uh, culture is cult. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh-huh, right. and and it's it seems to be that way. It's almost... It's, it's nothing more than a shortening of of the word. And, um, yeah. and uh, what's amazing is, is cults, if you think about it, I would say just about every cult that exists was formed in America by a person. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing, is, is here in America, every cult that you've ever heard of was formed in America by someone who had some sort of revelation from God, as they like to say. Well, we, we know that uh, through his word that whenever that happens, then you need to uh, stay clear and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, stay far and clear. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. And so, but again, thank God for those who have stayed the course. That's right. That's right. You know, and so. It's real important that we, we don't get just tossed by life like the waves of the ocean, but we choose to be present in everything we're doing choose to be purposeful and intentional yeah because um, if you just let life and culture just kind of move you along you'll reach the end of it and you never actually reached any destination you set out to get to yeah that's right that's right and, and you know again on a voice in the distance here it's a, it, as I've always said it's a, a ministry of Bible teaching and prayer but it's also a ministry with evangelism, it's a, it's a ministry that uh, that God uses broadly, if you will. It's to bring people to the Lord as well. And, and I pray that through this, you know, Mike and myself, any we're all just ordinary people, right? If you think about it. But you know, in the eyes of God, we're more than that. Mm. And especially when we become one of His, He takes what's ordinary and makes them extraordinary. And, and so. Anybody, you've heard his story. What's your story? All right, and and but we're we're here to teach you his story, not history, but his story, which is the greatest history known to man. Mm. 
And I, I got to tell you that uh, from my experiences and, and from my, my dear friend and brother here and, and many others, this is what God does. This is what he continues to do. And so as you heard his story, he too, was, he too, and like myself, had to make a decision. And that decision was to receive the Lord as your Lord and Savior. And every, see, everybody wants to go to heaven. Or at least you would think they do. But not everybody knows how to get there. And at the end of every message, whether it be through the Bible teaching, whether it be through a voice in the distance Q&A sessions, and now through the testimonials, especially through the testimonials, this is the reason why we do testimonials is because of that reason. You see the result. You, 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 and, and more than anything, may you feel the result. And, and so I want to I invite anyone who might be listening to receive the Lord as your Savior and as your Father, your fa- your Lord and Savior. You know, I've said before, you've heard me say before, everybody wants a Savior, but they don't always want Him as a Lord. You need Him as Lord over your life, or else you're going to be lost. And, and so, He's the greatest Father that could ever be had. You know, you've heard the story about Mike and his dad, and, and uh, God has no grandchildren. And even, even Mike's dad... It was the you know the Lord was his dad too as he is ours, and through Mike and, and, and through others you know his dad came came back to the Lord and, and he's in heaven he's in heaven right now, you know a, a man who who who's like many others who had good and bad times you know Mike and myself had good and bad times. You have had good and bad times. But now that time, if you want, if you want to receive him, that time to, to spend with him in eternity will have to be through receiving his Lord, his Son Jesus Christ, through receiving him through prayer, through acceptance. You know, we can believe, but we also need to receive. And, and so the opportunity is now to do that. If you feel led after hearing this testimony, what's your testimony? Well, I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you want to repeat this prayer after me. And by doing so, you're, you're saying a prayer of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, as always, repeat after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Lord, please forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Father, I ask of you now to cleanse me of all of my sins, Lord. As I receive you as my Lord, I receive you as my Savior, and more so as my Father. And Lord, I thank you for receiving me, Lord. I thank you for having me. And may I walk with you all of the days of my life, Lord. And when my time comes, Lord, may I be with you in your kingdom, Lord. As Father, I love you and I praise you. And I thank you, Lord, again, for dying for my sins and for having me. As Lord, now I receive you. I love you and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that if you said that, that, that again, you know, you are going to be uh, in, a, in an amazing ride. And so you want to make sure you just stay the course. Because God's always watching us. And you heard it from somebody else. You've heard it from others. You know, He's continuing to work in our lives. You know, I've said before, and I'll continue to say that, that, those who might be uh, drinking milk as a baby Christian, they can tell you what Jesus did back in the day. But those who are eating solid food, 
Those are the ones who can tell you not just what he did, but what he's doing right now as we speak. So keep that in mind. And may your testimony be powerful. And may your testimony be a blessing to others. Because God delivered you from that. So Mike, man, I want to thank you so much for being here and just coming out and visiting me and, and, and for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. And uh, again, may God bless you all and work in all of your lives as God is continuing to, uh, to watch over and keep you. God bless you.